welcome back to the Unapologetic Defiance Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Pinal. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Randy Taveras, who attended Marius in the year from the years 2015-2019 and majored in marketing. He's an entrepreneur, a founder of the Pipeline Academy, and now a new educator. How are you doing, Randy? What's up, Carlos? Thanks for having me. Thank Appreciate you for being here. So with that, we're just going to get right into the discussion. I've had the privilege to be alongside you on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. it, it was very hectic. I was very tired the next day. It was it was it was it was amazing to see what you go through on a day to day basis, going from an educator, going to your academy, and you know still being a very, really humble person with your friends. It's insane what you do. Um, so with that, maybe going to your work a little bit and how competitive the marketing and baseball industry can be, being that you're in both. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I <laughs> I have a whole bunch of jobs uh, from all different aspects, um, but the two big industries where I'm in and just what I focus on is the marketing and the baseball side. When it comes down to the baseball side, I've been playing this game since I was four and you know, I played throughout my whole life, played with top travel teams and went there from high school and college D one. So and now out of the game and stepped back, but you know, I made it into a training business and, and training, you know, top athletes. Baseball industry is very competitive from all aspects. Uh, as a player, it's wherever you go, you have to compete someone for your spot. Right. And from there, once you do have your spot, now you have to compete with another team. Mm-hmm. Once you compete with another team, then you have to compete in the conference. And then from conference, you know, you go and on and on and on. Just in general, as a baseball player aspect, it's levels, you know. It's right. yeah. from Little League, from there. Now you have to see if you can play in 90 feet. Once you get to a big field, 90 feet, okay, now can you play in high school? Now once you get to high school, can you play into college? Now once you get to college, can you actually make the pros? And then when you do make the pros in the minors, can you make it to the bigs and sustain yourself? So in the whole aspect, yeah, it's 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 very difficult. As a training aspect of the game uh, and running that business, it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of trainers out in New York yeah. uh, and just the country in general. Amazing players, amazing trainers. Especially in this New York City Bronx, yeah, in New York City, Westchester, yeah. area. Westchester, it's saturated, you know, and um, I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of the Bombers, and I got my name off of that, and with my father, it helped her along. Um, I was able Bombers to, are nationally ranked, right? Bombers are nationally ranked third, yes, and um, my dad's still coaching them, so, you know, I still have close ties with them, and from there, once I branched out, made my own brand, I was able to have people, and, and, and it's good, but at the end of the day, you know, if you stay in yourself, and you can control yourself and what you do, then you should be good. Uh, when it comes down to the marketing aspect, so I am the social media manager of Silesian High School. And, you know, when it comes down to marketing, again, I have the same approach as what we can control and what we have to do and focus on us. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're, you think about it, we're actually competing with, you know, the other schools around Westchester and the other schools in the Catholic Absolutely. schools. Um, and, you know, obviously we all have close ties with each other because it's all Catholic. And, but at the same time, it's, it's really a brand and in social media, it's who can communicate the best to out to the people. Um, and that ties in with baseball as well. It's the best trainers is who can communicate the game the simplest way for the player to achieve. Mm-hmm. So in the marketing side is who can communicate their brand and their mission to the people mm-hmm. in order to be the same, the home that you want to come in mm-hmm. and want to be involved. So again, it's very competitive, but I feel like if you focus on yourself and what you can control, I think you should be in a good path. Yeah, and you tied in with really um, being able to communicate with others, and I've seen you do that with being a teacher. I've actually sat in one of your classes. <laughs> do you think that 
your training helps you out being with kids from various ages. Do you think you've tied in that with your teaching in some sort of way? Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. And the way I see it is, I mean, I see the classroom as a team. And mm, okay. I'm the coach and they're my players. And then it's, again, how can I communicate the lesson the simplest way where they can understand it and know it and engage it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same way I try to teach baseball. Baseball's okay, too yeah. complex. There's so much stuff that happens in baseball. It's very yeah. mechanical. It's almost playing chess. Right. You know, it's yeah. very strategical. And with that being said, how can I make that simple and to a point where it could be very complicated if you really think about it, but at the same time, it's not. So it's kind of the same thing in, in class, you know, in class when you have the exam and, you know, it's, it's very wordy. Yeah. Well, if you can do process elimination and pick up keywords, you can actually attack the question easier and yeah. just seeing the overview of it. So that's how I tie my stuff in. That's everything. interesting. I'm currently pursuing a degree in education. I've always liked the way in which you teach because it's not really by the book and what we learn, but just connecting with the kids and how the kids already connect with you of being a first year teacher. It's awesome, and I think you do something that's never taught in the curriculum. Yeah, you so, know, I, teaching got, you know. Yeah, how did that come about, Randy? Just, you, you didn't pursue a degree in education. No, I didn't. I, I was a marketing major. Um, you know, it was just an opportunity given to me, and I took it, of course, and very blessed to have the opportunity. The way I teach is kind of, I put myself as, I was a student. I mean, it also helped that I just graduated two years ago. <laughs> and honestly, the best classes are the ones where you engage with the teacher, where you you know you can have a conversation about anything, really. Yeah. And expressing your opinions and expressing what you think or what you're confused about. And then you discuss it, not just teacher where it's, all right, this is the way we have to do it and this is how. No. Okay, what do you think? From there, what does other things? Okay, now let's all gather around. Let's make to one concrete statement about mm-hmm. it, and then people can from there pick on and go. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's my teaching approach. Making sure everyone has again their own expression, their own opinions, and from there we learn from each other. Mm-hmm. I, I always say, you know, it's like baseball. It's you, I, and every and I'm, again, I'm gonna compare a lot of things to baseball because that's what I grew in and this is who I am. Yeah. And I really compare every, all the lessons that I learned from baseball. I take it in life. So the stuff that I took in baseball, it's the way I teach it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's how I approach the baseball game. It's how I approach where in the classroom with the students. So, yeah. And you saw it, you know, yeah. you saw it in class how, you know, we're, we're teaching and everyone's joking around. At one point, I go, okay, like, let's get back to notes. And, you know, right. we they find a way to come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's just, you know, it's almost like a breather. But yeah. again, it's, it's not just concrete and taking notes and doing this and, you know, the structure way. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how I am. Now, I might have a bias because I've known you for a couple of years. You've trained me throughout high school. My brother's really critical about his teachers, and I will say that he's you're one of his favorite teachers. <laughs> and you. he's had tons of great teachers. He was at a charter with all these very young teachers, too. He likes the way that you go about it. I think it's that bond that you create with them. And in freshman year, you really have to really attack that because they have a whole rest of their high school career. If they have a bad relationship with the teacher, they may not come back next fall, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's really important to have that. And, I'm glad that he has that. It also helped that I came here. So I True. understand yeah, you exactly, know everything. I understand yeah. exactly what they're thinking. And again, yeah. my brother is in the school as well. He's a senior, right, right. Uh, Ronnie, and he tells me how everything goes about. So yeah. I kind of get the what the students are yeah, thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. So maybe provide the, the audience with this uh, day-to-day basis with you because along with an educator, you are an entrepreneur. You run your own brand in the pipeline. Um, and you're very humble with your friends. I sat in with when you were on a dinner with your friends um, celebrating your birthday. At the same time, I see that you give your all in every situation. It's not like you're 
you're lazy with your friends or you've, you've had a long day, you give your all to the people that are around you. Um, so maybe describe your day-to-day basis and what you go through throughout a day. Yeah, so <laughs> my day-to-day is, is crazy, man. And you saw it one day. And that was that was, that was a, a light day. That yeah. was an easy day. Um, my, my day really consists of the hours in the facility. Um, there's some days where I have to leave early because of rentals. There's some days where I'm there until mm-hmm. all night. Um, uh, I'll tell you an, an, easy, an easy day. So I... I'm a bus driver at Salesian, so I wake up at 4.30. Um, from there, leave the house around 5.30, go to the school, warm up the bus, pick up the kids, get back here at 7, and I'll work around 7 till 12-ish, 1-ish, whenever I, you know, whenever um, I don't have to do anything at Salesian. Uh, I teach from 9, my teachings are from 9.50 to 11.30. From there, um... If I have early trainings, I could go in either one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the easier days, I leave by six. On heavy days, I leave at 12. Wow. So there's days where I'm legit working from six to 12 at night. Wow. Uh, nonstop to grind, but it's something that I like. It's something that I chose yeah. and something that I was prepared for. It's all mindset, to be honest. Yeah. You always preach that to me. Yeah, yeah. It's all mindset. It's how you approach things and how you approach life. And just a life that I've chosen for now. Mm-hmm. because I see something bigger eventually that's coming to me. And it's just the way I am. I've always mm-hmm. been a workhorse. I've always been a Knox. And you always preach that to me whenever vending to you or telling you, like, thing, school is stressful. I have a lot of things on my plate. You always say, you know, it's all about mindset. Obviously, you're not born with that. So how did that come about? Was that something that your parents taught you, or how did that develop? Mindset was an evolving thing, and it's still evolving. Okay. I think the mind always evolves. Uh, yeah. The same way as if you would go to a gym and you work out to get physically better, physically right. healthy. It's the same way in the mind. If you have a healthy mind and you take serious incorporating knowledge and, and preparing yourself to what's coming and anticipating things, and no matter what comes at you, you will overcome it. My upbringing was definitely a huge factor. Just being around my mom and dad and them working hard. It was kind of a, a sneak peek on, okay, this is what it is. Living in the projects, not having a lot of materialistic things, not having stuff that I want as a kid, being very limited to things, that also pushed me to a mindset where, okay, I got to work harder than, and I don't want to be here no more. And you could say I'm humble. I just go about it. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. But that that gives me that edge, you yeah. know? And from there, baseball, playing in teams, um, adversities that I went through baseball-wise, school-wise, that helped me get another edge of mindset. And honestly, man, when I didn't get drafted, it's what put me to a whole nother level when it comes out to the mind. And you know, my whole life was just around baseball. Yeah. And my dream was to get drafted. My dream was to go to the bigs. That's the way I thought I was going to get my family out. It didn't work. So I had to readjust everything. and I had to plan something out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a little dark the first month. It was, it was tough, but from there, I was able to figure out something. And from there, I just I just went about it. And as time went on, mm-hmm. you know, my plan is executing great. Yeah. And that's that's the way I am. That's why my mind, again, my mind is not set. Mm-hmm. My mind keeps evolving. Right. The more you work on it, the more knowledge you get, the more you anticipate stuff, the more you prepare, the better you will be. Right. Your mind's like a muscle. If you of work course, on your mind it, is yeah. a muscle. Yeah. Think about it.
Yeah. So I have two things for you in that. So you touched upon your parents and your upbringing and them being hard workers. Um, they're both immigrants from the Dominican Republic, right? Yeah. So I also have parents who are immigrants from the U.S. and I, I continually see seeing them like, bust their eyes to work, especially given the year. Like my mom had to take up a job at Costco um, and she cleans houses for a living. My dad works at, as a small business owner for Glass. And I see all the things that they go to to pay for my tuition, my brother's tuition. Do you think in some sense you're trying to give back to them, trying to ha- retire them? Because that's my main goal. I see how hard they work at one point or not. You don't want them to work as hard, right? Because they're getting old and we're both brothers. So in that, we're working twice as hard to be like a role model. Yeah, no, my, my, so that is my motivation. Mm-hmm. It's always been my motivation. Again, yes, my dream was to get drafted, but my goal in life wasn't to play baseball. It was to make sure my family's good. Yeah. Especially my mom and dad, my brother, my grandma. They were the ones that raised me. You know, everything I do is for them. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing I said. If I ever have, I don't know, win a lotto, the first thing is going to do is to make sure they're good and they're done. Uh, they've done too much for me to the point where it is my duty to serve for them and I feel that, yeah. pay back for them because of everything they've done for me and all the love, all the support. Even with those things, I can't even repay them. So no matter what I do in life, it's for them. And anyone that's around me, man, Mm -hmm. I'm all about W's around my inner circle. Um, If you know me, I always love to see the people that are good just to win. I don't even care if I don't know you. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to see you win. I I always want to see everyone win. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing in life, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I've seen that with the amount of kids you've gotten to college and having college scholarships. I remember you told me about this this uh, student athlete who was going to this community college. No, he was going to Manhattan, correct? Yeah. And um, it wasn't really working out for him, and you got him to another situation that was perfect for him. So what happened was he went for engineering, and he was doing anything he can to make the team. Manhattan is stacked. Yeah. And they're actually a good team. They were in my conference. There wasn't going to be any open spots, and I I was able to, I was blessed and able enough to, to train him at around that time, and I told him you have to you have to change paths. It's not just you. It's just it is what it is. And the mom was really iffy about it. Yeah, cause it's good, a good thing. school for engineering. Thank God I was able to find them a spot where they have that engineering program, and even better. And from there, he can actually start his baseball career and go on with it. And mm. you know, I, I'm I'm glad and blessed that that worked out. Now there was numerous other people that I helped get into. You don't have to do well. that. At the end of the day, no, I, don't you're, you're like, I don't. I don't get paid for either. Right, I right. I, I was gonna say a lot of trainers because like you're training, you're training the kid. You don't have to care about what he's doing on the field as long as money's coming to you, right? That's a lot of what a lot of trainers think. You don't have to do all these things. Nah, man. Again, I, I like to see everyone win. Yeah, I like to see everyone succeed because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if they win, you win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoever you train or whoever you help in life, if you see them win, it gets back to you. In some way, shape, or form, yeah. Yeah, it's a good karma. <laughs> That's how I like to see it. It's good karma. karma. Okay. Cool, cool. But if you don't want to see someone win, there's an issue. And even mm-hmm. if you disagree with the person, you know, you don't want the worst of the worst to happen. Now, right. you can ignore them. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yeah. see bad on them. Right, right. Yeah. I feel that. And then maybe going back to the point where you said you were in like a dark place, right? Post not being drafted. We've seen this in numerous baseball players, um, some of our peers. Any any sport. Any, any sport. Like once you're down, it, it's very hard to just pivot. How did you get out of that dark place? Because you said that baseball was your life. You were centered around that and yeah. your, your dreams were crushed. How were you able to pivot so quickly? Did anyone help you? How did you go about that? Is that the birthplace of your mindset of this 
hardworking. It was a kickstart. It was a kickstart. But, but a different direction, correct? Yes. Okay. It was a kickstart of my the way my mind works now. I had a successful college career. I'm happy to say, and I played with top top of the line athletes, top of the line baseball players in college. When it comes down to not seeing your name in the draft board and even calls after that you don't really want to hear and stuff that you didn't plan, it's tough, man. I mean, I thought I had a good chance and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Nothing against anyone that got drafted. You know, congratulations right. to them and I hope the best for them. It is what it is. That's what I like to see. It's a, it's a, it's a business. People got to understand that, that. Yeah, baseball is a dream and baseball is a game, but at the end of the day, it's a business, bro. It's an investment. And I didn't, I didn't take it personal, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was crushed. It did hurt you. I was down. A big, big help was my girlfriend, Amanda. Uh, shout out to Amanda. She was there at my lowest point in college, and she was there at my highest point. And she always, always, always was the one to pick me up. And she was always the one to make sure that I was good. So to this day, you know, we have a very healthy relationship and that's my girl, man. She did everything for mm-hmm. me to be good and open my mind to another avenue and make mm-hmm. sure that no matter what happens, I will be good. My parents were also the others that helped me be good in the sense where they gave me the reality of what to expect in the real world and what not to expect and how to approach life. My father was a big, big help on realizing how it is. You know, he was a professional baseball player for the Dodgers. He played from 1987 to 1991, and he was the top dog in the Dodgers. He was actually the highest paid player. Oh, wow. And he actually had a similar situation, not in a sense where he didn't get drafted, but in a similar situation where he was injured and he got released, and he had 15 teams after him. And he had the opportunity to keep playing and not. And he decided not to. He said, you know, my best decision was to stay in the States and, you know, have a work and, you know, start his another career and and, and get into his family. And when the draft, when the draft didn't go as I planned, he said, you have to decide what is best for you. And you have to decide the pros and cons on each decision you will make. So I had the opportunity to play independent ball. I didn't take it, and it wasn't that I didn't want to. I just didn't think it would be good for me, and he was the reason why I made the five-year plan was because he said, make sure you write something down where you'll know in whatever decisions you make what will be good for you, what will not be good, basically the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And after I wrote that five-year plan, my mind just... It just clicked. It just went. So that's the birthplace of your mindset today. Yeah, it's that. I still have the notebook. I still have the paper. I, I read it every every, especially if I'm down or you know had a bad day. I'll read it, and it just gets me back into that mode where it goes. Okay, you're fine. You know the plan is still going good. You you, you keep going. Now the plan is not concrete. You know, obviously, Very again, like we said, life hits you in all different yeah, yeah. avenues. But that five year plan is my thing to go and then once that hits or you know i check off something mm-hmm. then i do another five-year plan it's just uh, how do i say kind of a like an unstable structure maybe some, some no sort of... no i say a plan of journey okay I guess, of a journey yeah yeah you know what i'm saying yeah i follow that 
that's me. Wherever it takes you, ins and outs, left, right, it's all right. Yeah, it's just, it gives you that approach to where you want to go. Okay. Where you want to be at. And again, I preach mindset, mindset. Because that that plan, it gives you a manifestation. It gives you that laws of attraction of mm. that's where I'm going for. That's where I'm going to be at. Okay. This is how I roll. Yeah. I'm just curious because people sometimes say manifestation. And that's what I see is maybe prayer. Is manifestation any type related to like your Christian, your faith at all? My faith? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I... people sometimes differentiate it and manifestation is something that is separate from like religion now. So I you think, think there's, like, di- I think there's, dif- there's different sides of manifestation. Sure, yeah, yeah. I always pray to God that I'm thankful for me being healthy, my family being healthy. My friends, my family's all the success. You know, it's all blessings. Amazing that something bad happens. You know, you hope hope to God that He's there for you, and you know, whatever He wants, it's His plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the manifestations that I I be talking about really is you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's where you see yourself and how you're gonna get there. Obviously, it's all with the help of God. Right, right. But if I can. Picture myself to a point where I want to be at. Now, again, don't be delusional when you do it. Right, right, right. You know, don't just be like, okay, I'm going to do this and and here we go. You know, everything is not granted to you. Everything is not handed to you. Mm -hmm. There's a process. There's a journey. And when it comes down to the mindset, a big thing that I do is, let's just take the five-year plan. Okay. That's my preparation. Now, each point that I cross off, there is a journey to get there. There is a path to get there. There are steps and levels to get there. Not everything is just, here you go, and next day I got a Lambo. Or next day I got a mansion. Nah, life don't work that way. You have to find ways where you can step. You have to find ways where you can excel. And you have to find ways where you can execute. Plan, execute, plan, adjust, plan, execute that's how it goes you know right yeah especially again life doesn't hit you a straight road so how are you gonna go over that pothole how are you gonna go over the 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 bump you get a flat tire you gotta fix it you know but with with that i will say that a lot of people are consumed by fear and it's not because of failure i think it's more so when you really give your all to something and it doesn't work out people are like what the hell is going to happen next? And I think that's that's where you weren't consumed by fear with your baseball career. So with that, do you think that culture we live in now, do you think people are consumed by their fears and then that's why they don't reach their dreams? In whatever aspect you've seen that, like ball players, individuals, do you think fear consumes people? Yes, it does. It does in, in, in all aspects. The fear of not getting, let's say baseball, the fear of not getting drafted. Yeah. You know, it happened. The fear of not doing well when you have scouts there. The fear of not attacking that short hop. Uh, you go into exams. The fear of failing, failing mm-hmm. this exam. Fear is always going to be there. It's just how you're going to take it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how you're going to attack it. That's why I say preparation is the key for it all. Right. Uh, if you do not prepare, it's like an exam. If you don't study. You're not going to do well. Nope. Now, again, there could be a chance where you just, right. you know, luck is on your side. Right. But that little error in the field, you got you to hit, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, 
you also have to understand we're living in a pandemic. True. From yeah. a year to now, I mean, it's people crazy. have been defined by this year alone. Though. I think from what you leave the talks we've had on the side, I believe that this year has like defined you in terms of just not being like the the, the majority of people like, oh, it's a pandemic. Maybe, Definitely. Maybe, what has it shown you? Maybe strength. Hmm. Strength, and no matter what hits to me, I can overcome. Hmm. And I'm not saying it in a cocky way. No, I'm no, just totally. saying a point where. Again, back to the fear thing. It's crazy because, you know, there's so much negativity out, and so much. Okay, if you're here, watch out with the, with the, with the, the disease, and, and and you know, watch out with this. And so many businesses are down, and so many people are unemployed. The, during the pandemic, I did not have an income stream. I didn't have a single dime come out, oh, wow. and that wasn't mad, you know. And but it forced me to intake new skills. It forced me to expand my mind. It forced me to read books. It forced me to take knowledge. That's where that five-year plan was readjusted. And I'll give you this. The pandemic gave me strength. It gave me gratitude. It gave me courage. And it gave me that attitude of thank you, or just being grateful for everything. Mm. I mean, just again, we were all good. Everyone was good. Everyone was doing their thing. And was happy and jolly, and then in the snap of, I mean, we've a, we've lost a, people that we've known, we've lost people here at in the school that we've known just out of nowhere. Yeah, man. I mean, Mr. J was, yeah, Mr. J was the, the heart of the school, and everyone thrived off him. And when he was gone, it was just, it was just bad feeling for everyone. And and again, he's always watching us. But when it comes down to that, it's touchy, bro. It's a touchy thing. It's like you said, there's people that we lost and that comes in with fear. Especially this year and this past year. I mean, it was very unfortunate we had a pandemic. Yeah. That pandemic installed a lot of fear on a lot of people. And you know, at all ages, you know, a lot of doubt, a lot of you can't do this, you can't do that, a lot of negativity. A lot of people were exposed to how it actually Of course, and, and I'm not saying, you know, oh, Forget that, do you know? Be a rebellion and just you do you. No, no, no. Obviously, we all have to follow, you know, the government tells us to do and stuff. But at, what I'm trying to say is, fear is all over the place. You can look at fear, obviously, on society wise, where we can't go out because obviously a pandemic is still hitting us. Yeah. But at the same time, you compare to someone else is fear. You'd be intimidating by comparing yourself to someone that's just on another level. Like, you know, let's say as a baseball player, I can't compare myself to Mike Trout. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you're seeing it so much in social media and you're seeing it all over the TV and you're seeing it all over the billboard. It's, it's, you compare to yourself to a point where it's you're not there yet. And it's unattainable. And right a lot now, of people right don't now. understand that stuff is not granted to you quick. Mm -hmm. It's not right away. You have to you have to have patience. I think the biggest thing is in our society and nowadays, we have to practice the virtue of patience. Yes, hundred percent. If yeah. you don't have patience and you don't have that manifestation of I can do it, but it takes me these steps in order to get there, you won't go nowhere. Mm -hmm. People are too quick to judge. You know? You could start a business and you could take a couple of months and you go, Well, why am I making sales? I'm, no, no, no. You have to go through steps. And that's where failure comes in. 
you have to accept those failures. That's part of patience. That's part of life. And with that being said, as you execute those failures and make it to a success, you will keep climbing up and up the charts and you'll get to where you have to be. But it takes time. And I think what it is, is people are scared to take those chances because it's a what if or what not. You know, and it depends who the type of person you are. Right, right. If you're not a risky type of guy, you know, I'm a risky guy. I'm okay with taking chances, but I know what I have to lose and what not to lose. Now, my thing though is if I'm going to get, if I'm going to enter something or I'm going to do something, I understand the risk, but I have to prepare myself for those risks. Yeah. I'm not just going to enter something that I'm blind and I'm just going, okay, let's just do it. No. And that's what a lot of people as well do. Is that another thing where, fear um, is involved and, and, and how to attack that is preparation is another key thing. You know, you need to have patience and preparation. Yeah. You can't just go to things and you can't enter something and just expect it, everything to be good. No, 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 no. Yeah, and I've even seen, my father's always told me that fear is being underprepared and lacking the knowledge and preparation to have success, you know? So he always preached that to me. And when I'm, I'm underprepared, he exposed me. He's like, Carlos, the things went not go your way. And it's not saying that I'll fail so much, but he just calls me out on that knowing that I could have done more. And that's preparation. Yeah. You're preparing for whatever comes to you at any angle. And I think he's instilled that in me because being children of immigrants, they expect so much out of us because they've sacrificed so much. And sometimes they shame us into it. I'm not sure if your parents have done it. But whenever I like fail or do something bad, this is when I was young, and they're like, remember, we've sacrificed everything for you, and this is what you do, and I feel horrible. Have they ever told that to you? Nah, it's funny, though. My parents really don't. They've they never don't, done that? Nah, they don't hit that with me. They oh. just kind of... I think my parents are a little bit more harsh. <laughs> no, nah, my parents... Well, my parents basically, they just tell you, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what yeah. it is, and just figure it out. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But you, will you agree that they've instilled this um, relentless attitude, like to always go, 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 because of where we come from and our cultures my family is very go with the flow okay i think i'm the one that picked up the relentless go 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 attitude Mm. Um, because you know me and ronnie my brother we're kind of the same but we're the opposite so the way i approach things is again let's go all out Mm -hmm. he kind of has to analyze yeah ronnie's like a silent killer yeah he has to he has to see what approach he can take and then he goes through it. Yeah. So, but my family's, my mom and dad, they're very go with the flow. My grandma, they instill more wisdom mm. than that pressure. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. My parents are really harsh. <laughs> it's probably just me. <laughs> You've seen them. But with that, I will say that. Until you go stand in the corner. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was, if, I, if you ever see me like flinch, it's no, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I will say that things I've seen on social media have been. Not demonizing the grind, but softening it. And I'll show you. So I was going through Instagram one day, and these two different quotes popped up on my feed. One of them reads, stop glamorizing the grind and start glamorizing getting seven plus hours of sleep at night, having healthy relationships, feeling safe at work, working hard when you're at work, boundaries, and stuff carrying your way to success. That's quote number one. And then this next quote said, your comfort zone will kill you. So when I saw that, I just thought about how maybe society is getting softer in the way that sometimes we justify failure or even falling, you know, and when we self-care for ourselves, I see that as okay, it's okay to rest, you know, but I think 
sometimes people mistake that for their comfort zone. And they don't see it as that because it's like, oh, I'm taking care of myself. It's a rest day, my off day, just let me be. So where do you think you fall on the spectrum of like, taking care of yourself, but also like, my comfort zone is non-existent. Like, I will not be in. I think it all depends on the situation of where you are in life. Okay. I think if you are in a point of your life where you are prepared to take everything just all at once, then so be it. And then there's times where you just relax. Mm-hmm. To me, personally, and I got it out of Marist, that you have to step out of your comfort zone in order to succeed. Yes. And to me, everything that I'm doing as of now, it's really out of my comfort zone. You know, I was a very reserved. I was reserved until you knew me. So I had to know who you were in order for me. To yeah, I didn't really up. know you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way I am. I'm, I'm more of an observer. And then once I know if I'm cool with you, then I open up. Fortunate that I've had to be able to. No, but, <laughs> but now... I can't be that way. Yeah. You know, with the business going and being a teacher, I have to be jolly or happy every mm-hmm. day. And not even just jolly or happy, but just I have to be open. And Have people underestimated you with that? Any uh, clients, parents? No, nah, people don't really see that way. Okay. No, nah, I give them bits of everything. Okay, okay. Going back to these quotes, you know, self-care is very important. The body always needs to rest because if you don't have a functional body, you won't do the things you want to do but i think right now i am go 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 attitude but in a couple years i'm gonna go back to that first tweet where i'm gonna get my seven hours because i think in order for you to get to that situation i think you have to go through a time where you're just on the full grind but you do take rest right you do of course of course i take a day where i have to take a rest it's not all like yeah randy's not like all that go 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 like he does take time with himself yeah I mean, these these past, these past couple months, I have been go, go, go. But I think it's based off my business. Yeah, It was peak season. Everyone right, right. needed to go to a facility. Everyone needed to train. And then I just got the teaching job. So then I had to incorporate that in my schedule. Mm-hmm. So I was, again, like I told you my schedule earlier, I'm 4.30 to 12 sometimes at night. And but that's just because how it is. Now you go into baseball season. Now I'm more relaxed because now everyone's playing baseball. You know, the teaching job is still going to be there. Well, there's going to be days where I'm done, maybe two, four. Hmm. You know, it depends on, on the schedule. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is, I think it depends on where you at in life. True. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be points where you're on, on season and there's going to be points where you're off season. Mm-hmm. If you compare it to an athlete. There's going to be points in whatever industry you are where you know it's peak season where everything is going handed at you and you just got to fully go. And then once everything slows down, that's when you can have that relaxed self-care thing. Mm-hmm. My mind, the way it works, it's on full go, but I took preparation in order to get to that. And again, I'm saying it all podcast, and this is why my work ethic is at its highest. It's the mindset. You know, I prepared myself that these past couple months, I was going to work every day, every day, mm-hmm. because... There's going to be a point where business slows down. And from what I did from those months, I can define these months, right? I right. can define the next couple months yeah. and I can survive. And that's business in general. Mm-hmm. It's like Christmas. You right. see a business that all these stores and you have Black Friday till Christmas season. It's full go, go, go. It's packed. 
And then once Christmas season ends, it slows down. Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends on what area you're in. in life. Right. And your personality, I think so. Because I'll, I'll give you an example. Because when, whenever I tell people about this podcast, and this isn't to boast about myself, and they see what I'm doing, like I'm part of an advocacy committee. I work at PR. I work here. Yeah, you like talking people, about me? I'm all about work. You, well, you yeah, no, ten different things. I don't sleep, Randy. I honestly, I'm talking about self care. I talked about self care yeah, in episode you, five. I don't take care of myself. It's it's bad. It's really bad. I talked about this in episode five, but I think the way that I did see it, and it's really unhealthy, is I work hard for myself. Obviously, it's for just to be better for myself. But I think I also do it to neglect myself from reflecting on how, how I'm doing. I don't think so. Well, I, th- I well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because in the past two months, I've lost people who I'm very close with. So Jay, another person that I'm with, I'm horrible at closure, Randy. I don't come to closure in loss, and I lost one, of, two of my boys in high school in the past four years, and uh, I haven't had time to reflect. I've cried maybe like once or twice after they they passed away, but I'm not good with closure at all. Of course, I do work for for myself and try to do what, but I. I see as if I'm busy, I'm really busy and I don't have time for myself. I won't have time to be um, down on myself and be like really, really, I get really anxious when I look at like, how I'm doing. I'm like, it's like I said earlier, you have to take those negatives and look at it in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, when I die, I don't want people to be sore. I want people to highlight what I did yeah. great in life and then party and then have a celebration about me. But I think, yes, you can see that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. This is a viewpoint that I see from you. Go ahead. Yeah. You're preparing yourself to be great you're preparing yourself to do something yeah, yeah. bigger than what you are yes you're in 10 different things right you work for overtime which is a huge accomplishment to have you're in NYU. you're heavily involved in nyu you're an intern at salesian that's three different things that is wild and you're a full-time student yeah. but at the end of the day these are all resume booster right. to become someone of who is carlos bernal and who people inspire to be like you you know, you have to take mm-hmm. all these steps in order to become what you want to be or who yeah. you're going to be or just in general, greatness. So, again, you know, you see that avenue. I think in some ways, some ways. I like I, to see it in the positive. Right, right. I, that's who I am. You know, I'm all about positive vibes. And anyone that knows me, I'll be very realistic and I'll definitely see the negative And I go, okay, yeah. Even though I'm positive, positive, I'm optimistic. You're a realist. Yeah. I'm a realist. You have to be a realist at the end of the day. Once you become that realist and you go, okay, this is Easier how it is, or this is how yeah, reality yeah, is, you, yeah. then from there, okay, how can I take that reality and put it into a positive? Mm. How can I make that instant or that situation into a better outcome than what it already is? Mm. It's simple. It's This is life. Ready? Go ahead. There's problems. How quick can you solve it? Honestly, how it is. No, no. That's actually, that's a good, I never thought of it that way. Think about it. Wow. Everyone in business, right? All these top businesses. Yeah. There is one problem from someone and the businesses are the solvers. You need what, is it, what is it? The consumer and the, the product, right? Just anything yeah, in general. Product, yeah. Anything in general. Yeah. Everything in general. It's life. Yeah. If you really think about it. It's not even just business. It's just life. Right. Never looked at it. That's, yeah. I thought really. You're good. hungry. That's your problem. What do you do? Food. You go get food. Who's gonna solve it for you? Yeah. The product, the people. You oh, got wow. you, you, you thirsty? Well, the solution is go get water or go get something to drink. Isn't it weird how we're always relying on something to fix our problems as humans? That's how it is, bro. It seems like us as humans, we're programmed to always do something that will be 
Service is a means of gratitude, self-gratitude, whether that's work, eating, like you said, or something at the simplest form or something that'll make us happy. It seems like we're always trying to do something for ourselves. But I believe personally that we take it to the next level when we touch others along the way. We create a path. And it's expressed in this quote by Albert Schwarzer that I really like. He was a, a theologian, an organist, a humanitarian philosopher. He did all these types of stuff in the first half of the 21st century. And he says, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know is that the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Now, obviously, people can look at you and say, all right, he's a teacher. He's serving that way. He's a, an entrepreneur. He's a, a trainer. He's serving others that way. But do you think that a person's life doesn't have meaning until they have a way to, find, to touch others? I think that is a purpose of life. Do you life. think that you think you can live a life without spreading your morals and just be deemed meaningful? So like selfish? Yeah. No. You think there's a meaning in, in being selfish? No, there's, there's selfish a meaning. Life. There's a meaning. The whole purpose of life is to serve. Yeah. No matter who it is. And it just doesn't have to be the people that you're working with. It, just in general, it could be anyone. And, mm -hmm. you know, to me, everything I do is for my parents, uh, for my family, anyone that's close to me. That's my motivation. That's my influence. That's who, that's why I wake up at the time I wake up and at the time I sleep. It's why I work so hard. It is why I make my decisions is because my goal is to make sure they're good. You know, they've done everything when it comes out. My parents did everything they had to do in order for me to be good. You know, even though where I lived and where I grew up, I've always had a meal. I've always had shelter. I've always had food. They did everything they can possible to always have, make sure I was mm -hmm. fed and I was good. And now it's my turn to repay them back. Even without that, I mean, look at parents. Once they have a kid, right, their, whole, like, their, their whole sacrifice is like, for their kid. I heard that too. It's like where once I had my kid, I could keep it, people up here and say, once I had my kid, my life had its new meaning. Of course. You, you, you yeah. do serving. Now let's say you don't have kids. All right? Find other ways. Yeah, yeah. Find other ways. It's, look at religion. Christian, you serve yourself to God. Everyone has to serve themselves to God. Everyone has to serve themselves to Jesus. Let's say you're not. Then you do some other religion. You still serve to whoever you believe or whatever you strive for. Philosophy in general, your ideology, you serve for that. Mm -hmm. That's your purpose. Yeah. You know, politics, they serve for whatever they believe. Mm. You could be the most selfish person in this world and you're still going to. One way you're serving something. You're serving for something. So, yeah. That's my intake. That's what I, you know, I strive for my family. I strive for who I love. I strive for my brand. I strive for really everyone to have a successful journey and a W. Hmm. That's really who I go for. It doesn't matter who you are. If I know that you're going to win, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. What I've always been taught is that not, not only that, I'm also a family person, but my main goal in life is that when I pass away, my morals and ideals are still here. It may not even be tied to the name Carlos Bernal, but at some point in my life, people will really instill the values that I've been left on this earth, right? My has always taught me, like, it doesn't matter if people, people could remember your name 23, 20 years down the line or whatever, but some way, shape, or form, your name will be lost in history, but are your morals going to be here, right? Even at the HBC. Your legacy. Right, your legacy is like, your legacy. And it doesn't even have to be tied to your name. It's as long as you're some way, shape, or form, you're still on this earth, not physically, 
but maybe like a spiritual sense or an ideological sense, as long as you're still present, I think that's when you really have a successful life. It's a good way of seeing it. Do you think you're on path to do that so far? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think there's so much more. Yeah. In, you, for me. You're young. You're 24 years old. I know. I sound like I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, nah, yeah, that I truly believe in what you said there. And it's true. You know, you do whatever you have to do in order to be for others and make sure they follow your path. I mean, I followed my dad's path with all the knowledge he gave me from baseball and I teach baseball the way he taught me and in my own views. And then that same kid that I'm teaching him how to hit, he's probably going to take that and move it on. Yeah. Uh, it's just a connection. It's just something you go on, you move on. Legacy, like you said. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. That was Randy Taveras, a leader, very encouraging individual, um, someone who I look up to and hopefully his insight provided you with something that can help you and you're instilling your life. Thank yes, you, sir. Yes, sir. Follow the Pipeline Academy, TAV.26. Thank you so much, Carlos, for having me. I hope the audience and whoever's listening to this appreciates this and hopefully to come back soon. Thank you so much, Randy.